right, it is seven o'clock. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kimberly M. Starks, accredited public relations professional and principal consultant of the specialist communications firm, Blue Scorpion Reputation Management. We are in for a treat this evening because tonight's discussion is V stands for victory in video games. And we have a panel of legal experts joining us this evening. I'd love to introduce you to them. So let's get started. First, I'd love to introduce you to Lee Morin of Morin Entertainment Law. Lee has 16 years in IP, eight as a lawyer and eight in patents as a paralegal, eight in trademark and copyright and eight years in entertainment with a focus in corporate finance. She started in music, navigated to games, met some artists in games who turned into animation and motion pictures, then ventured into television. Welcome, Lee. Thank you very much, Kim. Yes. We also have TJ Mahill. He is a proud partner of Owen, Gleaton, Egan, Jones, and Sweetney. He has been involved in copyright, trademark, and trade secret work his entire career. In fact, starting in his third year of law school and has worked with companies such as White Wolf and CCP, uh, which is EVE Online. He's also on the board of the Georgia Game Developers Association. Uh, Scott has, I'm sorry, uh, TJ has been involved uh, with the Digital Games and Media Committee and is one of the authors of trade secret sections in both versions of the ABA uh, treatise. So welcome, TJ. So glad to have you on this evening. Thank you very much. Yes. And last but certainly not least, we have Scott Kelly from Banner and Whitcoff in Washington, D.C. Scott represents clients throughout the life of an invention from the birth of an idea through procuring a patent and enforcing it to protect key technologies and business interests. He has experience with a wide range of technologies, including computer software, networking, and business methods. In addition to preparing and prosecuting patent applications, Scott regularly counsels clients on validity, infringement, and other issues presented by asserted patents or potential acquisitions. So glad to have you, Scott. Fun to be here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's dive right into the conversation. It, it's such a coincidence that on the day that we had this conversation that there was uh, a, a case that was handed down uh, from the courts in Illinois related to the WWE and Randy Orton. So I, I'd love to hear about how you all feel about that case in relation to Solid Oak. Um, so let's set the stage and get the conversation started. Yeah, Kim, just to clarify, I, I think that decision came out uh, a little bit last week, but, but certainly very, very recent. Um, I, and, and that sort of sets the stage for, for today's call for, for short, kind of looking at um, if we were having this conversation just a few months ago, everything would be speculation. But now we actually have two two data points, you know, from, from the courts uh, that, 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 that give us a little bit so we can actually talk about the, the, the boundaries here. Wonderful. And, and to give our viewers 
just to set the stage so that our viewers know what we're talking about. Viewers, we are talking tonight about tattoos uh, on in video games. And please assist me here if, I'm, if I need to clarify even further. But I want to make sure that everyone who's viewing this evening understands the conversation that we're about to get into. And, and it's really, um, there's one little link in the middle, if I may add it. It's tattoos on professional athletes in video yes. games, because these are games uh, that are specific to pro sports. Um, so, uh, Scott, what was the game, the wrestling game, in the case from Illinois just last week? Yeah, so uh, the, you know, within the, the, the World Wrestling Foundation, or the other one, I always forget how that works <laughs> uh, but but the superstar randy orton um has has become kind of the face of that uh that enterprise and um in take two's you know wwe 2k series um they have been recreating randy orton quite faithfully and and one of the things that is a big part of this guy's look is you know the tattoos up and down his arms and on his back and and that's you know a big part of how people recognize him and and who he is to his fans um so it turns out the that he had kind of a long time um he had been working with the same tattoo artist for a long time who had done most of these tattoos and as as this game became more popular as, be, as he became the cover uh you know athlete for the game um, the, the, the tattoo artist, uh, reached out about, uh, licensing opportunities and, and was, you know, quickly rebuffed. I, I think you have to look at this and say, you know, they offered her $450 to go away, which is, is kind of less than nothing when you're, when you're talking about this level of licensing and that sort of thing. So I, I think rightfully in sense, she sort of filed a, a lawsuit sort of arguing that take two was infringing whatever copyright she had in the tattoos. She had designed them, she had come up with them. Um, and when Take Two sort of, rather than just post a picture of Randy Orton, when they created sort of a copy of him or sort of a, you know, a non-Randy Orton virtual version, um, she had this legal theory that, well, they have recreated my copyrighted work. The cover art, I didn't know that uh, since this, this case came out pretty recently, I will admittedly have not yet read the opinion, but the cover art is an interesting fact because uh, an earlier case with Madden um, that never made it to a decision um, but did settle uh, was Ricky Williams, uh, who made the cover in Madden, I believe. And, um, and so what's funny about that is Solid Oaks, the decision we're talking about tonight, specifically more than once said because this is a very fact dependent analysis right facts are going to matter um said that it was it, it, that he wasn't on the that these players were not on the cover added in favor of the defendant so take two as the defendant and 2k games as the defendant so the fact that they weren't using those images to sell the game package the game was important um that's all I wanted to add. Yeah, and I, I will admit that I might have been mixing up facts of my cases because I was also looking at that, um, the, the NFL, which one is that, the, the NFL Street case. Um, so I, I don't recall exactly if Randy Orton was on the, on the cover or not, but I don't think you can deny that he was 
one of the biggest stars in, in the game and, and certainly one of the big draws for, for why people want to play, play the game. Um, but we, we certainly have to just, uh, juxtapose this with the Solid Oak case. Um, you know, TJ, do you want to highlight that one for us? Sure. So the Solid Oaks case that just came down um, was NBA 2K. So instead of wrestling, it was basketball. And uh, we had LeBron James as really the main uh, issue and two other basketball players whose, whose names escape me because I'm not really a basketball fan. Um, but uh, the, the, the same thing. These actual people have actual tattoos on their actual bodies and they were used in their avatars on the video games. And when the, uh, when Solid Oaks, uh, who was assigned the rights to those, those copyrights the, for the tattoos, sued saying that that was an infringing use, that court came down and said that it was not infringing for a variety of reasons. Um, one, that it was a diminished misuse Two, that there was an implied license to display the tattoo on your own self, and all this was was another display of their own image and their own publicity. And three, that it was a fair use. Um, and, and for all those various reasons, the court decided that that um, that uh, uh, Solid Oaks needed to take a hike. Interestingly, those same arguments were the ones that were just raised in uh, the Randy Orton case, the de minimis and the, the license and fair use, and that's what the judge said no to on summary judgment. So it hasn't been denied yet, but certainly the fact that it, what it that they did not receive summary judgment means that there's some fact question open for the judge to consider on this question of licensing, and, and that's an interesting contrast to the very definitive finding in the Solid Oaks case. Um, TJ, TJ and I were talking about, and actually I was interested in Scott and TJ about the de minimis, um, how you said it was sort of an, was that the one that we said was an inverse? Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about that a little bit more. Well, sure. The, the Solid Oaks case took a, a bizarre stance on the de minimis use, I thought, in that it took generally in copyright. When you're looking at a copyright infringement, one defense to infringement is that it was a de minimis use of the copyrighted work. Um, I took such a small element from your work that it doesn't really matter. It's silly to think that I'm, I'm infringing because it's such a little tiny piece. In the, the NBA 2K, the entire work was used. I mean, the, the, the entirety of all the tattoos at issue were, were used. So the entire copyrighted work, not a small de minimis portion of it, was used in the infringing work. What the court did was say that it was such a small part of the video game that its use was de minimis. In other words, it was, it was such a small portion of time that you might see those tattoos. And an interesting point in Solid Oaks that I think might be one of the reasons why the WWE 2K case is a little different is the de minimis use was also argued that you could never really see these tattoos. Right. Uh, players were in motion. Um, they were blocked by other, uh, by other characters. There were long shots so you could see the whole court. Um, the, the, the use of the tattoo in the gameplay itself, you never really got a good look at that tattoo. You only really saw it when you picked that character on your player screen. I think the difference is when you have a wrestling game, you're generally much more focused on the wrestlers. It's a lot closer to those digital avatars. And 
obviously the you know you're wearing wrestling attires of a basketball uh gear there's not 20 other people to block the view it, it makes it much more obvious uh makes the tattoo a much more obvious part of the game so that may be why solid oaks was found to be de minimis and the summary judgment in the and the in the randy orton case didn't go the same way so, but there was actually uh, the de minimis interpretation of it being an incidental, you know, just a glance um, being kind of a pixelated or blurry image, obviously because it was much smaller in ratio than in real life. Um, I've heard this argument before in a case involving a motion picture with what women want, where it was a ping pong machine that was in the background of a shot. And um, I, I actually pulled up the site because I honestly don't know the court off the top of my head. It was, um, oh, here it is. It was, uh, hey, guess what? It was the same circuit or not circuit. It was the same district court. <laughs> um, it was Gottlieb Development LLC versus Paramount Pictures. Um, so Paramount Pictures, obviously, being the studio who put out what women want. But, you know, so this might just be this particular court's way of uh, managing that. Um, analysis and we've certainly seen different analysis with the fair use analysis and certainly and all, it's yeah yeah so. each district uh, does things a little different <laughs> so that that could very well be uh, and it may be that you want to bring certain cases in certain districts if you're wanting to get different or not outcomes. get that de minimis, de minimis outcome for yeah. sure so, so Kimberly I can't help but feel like maybe um, as, as lawyers are wont to do, uh, we all kind of jump right into the details, but, but maybe the audience would benefit from kind of a, a big picture of why this issue matters. Um, so, I, I mean, one of the, the issue kind of at heart here is licensing is a really big deal. You can't just go, you know, out make whatever product you want when it involves somebody else's, uh, you know, either you want to use a famous person in your game or you want to use some really cool artwork or cool music or anything. Um, and so entertainment media is huge business and, and video games are making more money than TV movies combined. Um, and so licensing these games is big and people don't just want to go buy, you know, a basketball game. They want to buy the NBA licensed basketball game so they can play as their favorite team and as their favorite players. And I can't just go start my own studio and make my own NBA game because the NBA spends a lot of money on that brand. They spend a lot of money on the players and the players spend a lot of work and, and effort on sort of becoming known for being really good basketball players. So there's lots of money exchanging hands. There's lots of lawyers involved in saying, can I put LeBron James in my game? How accurate can his face be? You know, that sort of thing. And game makers want that because their fans want it. They want the real experience. So the, the sort of question at heart in all these cases is for some of these players, you know, they will have tattoos on them and p tattoos in a lot of, uh, for a lot of these players are very prominently displayed. You know, their entire arm is covered in a tattoo or that sort of thing. And people know that and they want that and they appreciate that. And in order to give people the most realistic experience, modern games have really tended towards recreating all of that. And so what has happened is in the, uh, I believe the, the Solid Oak case kind of came around four years ago, but we had some, some th these are relatively novel claims of, of tattoo artists showing up and saying, hey, you know, just as you license that guy's 
likeness and his name. And just as you license the logo on the jerseys and, you know, Coca-Cola brand in the background and an accurate painting or something on the wall of somebody's house, you should pay us a license fee for the, the creativity and our copyrights in the tattoo on that guy. And so sort of the discussion that we're having today is, is all around the idea of is that is that fair is that is that legal and and how should it be handled except in this particular case you had these two artists who said they never intended to ask for a license and inked magazine ran an article um that was uh, very interesting because you know you take these artists who want nothing more than to make their clients happy I mean most artists they're not gonna say hey I'll ink you but there's strings attached they're not gonna ink a lot of people especially celebrities you know it depends um, that conversation would, would would have to happen at the outset and and according to these guys it did happen and they were fully intending on these this artwork to merge with their persona to become a part of their likeness because um, a lot of tattoo researchers will tell you that and in particular the experts quoted in this case um, mentioned uh, that it's a very personal creative expression and so the implication or the implied license I think uh, that we're talking about here is um, naturally this creative expression however it manifests um, is going to be part of who I am this is my expression of myself and um, so in that respect it's an irrevocable you know you can't take it back you can't take the ink out sure you can cover it up um, but irrevocable in perpetuity implied license for me to wear that ink on my body and obviously wherever my body is going to be in cameras or whatever that's just going to be the situation but these guys these artists didn't and and this is a thing that I think TJ and I were talking about before we got on on the air online <laughs> was uh, that maybe this conversation maybe there is a market for that but that that conversation should happen at the point of sale right well I think it has to right I mean you can't have copyright you can have an assignment later but you can't retroactively decide that you're going to have some retained rights or, or assignment of rights or licensing. So uh, I think if you're going to have those kinds of conversations, they have to be at the time the artwork is created. Um, the, the, the question becomes who has the leverage to do it. You certainly, if you've got a celebrity tattoo artist who's tattooing a celebrity athlete, those guys all have the leverage to have those conversations. When someone walks into the, random corner tattoo parlor on the beach. I mean, uh, does anybody even remember who their tattoo artist was if they went into that situation? That's a different situation. Um, you know, I think those of us with tattoos generally have tattoo artists we trust to do them and we remember who gave them to us. But, you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of tattoos who don't remember where they came from. So that's, that's a different question. And if you don't have even a way to track that guy back down, it becomes very difficult if you don't have the right to then display the thing that is permanently part of your image. And Scott, maybe you can tell us about about your experience with athletes, but okay, let's talk about that because let's look at two different types of celebrities. Let's look at, um, you got your cloud rap artist, for example, you know, like, Lil Peep or someone who basically whole face was tattoos or, or some of these artists who just they, they might 
they might be under the influence uh, and might not remember getting a tattoo or they might have so many and it might be flash art. It might be just whatever uh, common art common art that's available. Whereas in contrast, you have professional athletes who have to train constantly, who are constantly like focused on their bodies, right? Because that's how they're making money and their skill and their craft. And they're not going to... Um, you know, my assumption, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're probably going to be a little bit more deliberate and intentional when they're going out to get ink because um, I think I read in one of these articles, Colin Kaepernick, for example, is very deliberate about the tattoos he gets. He said he spends up to a year sometimes preparing for his next tattoo. And then you also have sponsorship issues, right? Whereas if, you know, what if you get a tattoo of some type of entity or, or some symbol that is in conflict with what your team's sponsorships are or whatever network is, is advertisers? You know, I've heard of these where they ask the athletes to cover it up which is um you know something else to consider so they have certain pressures on on how on what kind of ink and who gives it to them right so i think that they would probably be more able to remember their tattoos and also um there be a deliberate opportunity to bargain for the artist in that yeah, I, I mean i think that 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 distinction is really relevant and the, and the context and the in the relationship with the tattoo artists can can play here. Um, I, I mean, I, I I'm I'm definitely more focused on. Uh, I, I I don't do a lot of work directly with influencers or athletes or, or musicians. Um, but you know, my my perspective here um, is you're certainly right, uh, both of you, that you know there there are really thoughtful tattoos and there are some you know no regrets sort of uh, less thoughtful uh, tattoos. Um, the thing is, I'm, I'm not really sure that that changes where I think our, our baseline is, which is sort of in view of what TJ said, you know, sort of the implied license issue of if you, if you put this artwork onto, you know, me or, what, or whoever, um, I have no reason to think I suddenly can't you know, show my face on, in public. You know, I, 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 now I can't have my picture taken without an agreement with you. So that just sounds wrong. And so I think that's why most people go to the idea of an implied license in the first place. But then when, when you're getting to your scenario where it's, um, or, or, or TJ, as you said, the celebrity tattoo artists or people who's, who take their tattoos and their relationship with their tattoo artists really personally, you know, that does open the, the, the realm for that dialogue. And so I think that what you need to look at is people don't expect to need to call their tattoo artist and send them a check every time they're on TV. Um, but if a tattoo artist does want to get paid for that, they can negotiate it up front. So if, if you're going to go outside of the usual, I think you can pre-negotiate. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I think you know who you're getting too, right? I mean, for the maybe if you tattoo LeBron James when he's 16, you don't know that you're getting LeBron James. But but uh, if someone gives me a tattoo, I don't think they expect I'm going to show up in movies and commercials and video games anytime <laughs> soon. And they'd be 100% right. But if someone is tattooing LeBron James right now, there's a fair expectation that guy's probably going to show up somewhere soon. So maybe I ought to have that conversation. I think that's the, the, the situation when you're tattooing, either you have a celebrity tattoo artist who has that leverage or you have someone who knows they're tattooing a celebrity. 
you know, one thing that really stood out to me in the Randy Orton case, I believe it was, um, the, the artist in her own complaint, you know, said, I have no objection to him being in, in pictures or video, but video games were treated as differently. And, and I think that's, that's kind of a really interesting point um, that, uh, you know, personally, I don't think I agree with. I don't see digital recreations as recreations as, as being very different. Um, but, but certainly, you know, the, the artist at issue here thought it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting take because that is, it, it's interesting to me that every artist that, that has testified in these cases, in the Solid Oaks cases, Solid Oaks said it was a problem, but the tattoo artists who actually designed and inked the tattoos said, no, we 100% thought that I'm putting it on these basketball players. They're going to go out and people are going to see it. It's going to be part of their body when they go to commercials and such. Um, this tattoo artist is saying that you take all the pictures you want of Randy Orton. In fact, even the, the, the hangover case, um, they didn't sue in hangover one because it had Mike Tyson in it. So yeah, Mike Tyson's tattoo was in the movie, but because it was on Mike Tyson's face, it just came along for the ride. Um, we sued because the, you know, hangover two put that same tattoo on Ed Helms. He replicated um, it. Yeah. And that's it. You're, you're creating a new work and replicating my tattoo. And I think that, Certainly, from copyright standards, I'm taking a photograph of you. If I take a photograph of Lee and it has her tattoos in it, it's going to be a new work. It's going to be a new copyrightable work of art that belongs to me. I've created a new work, and I've recreated those tattoos. But I think the, the distinction for video games is somebody actually sat down and redrew the tattoo, too. Um, I, I think that you're right, Scott, that's not a real distinction because the whole point of these video games is not to have a basketball character generic Sam that happens to have LeBron James's tattoos, right? This that's is LeBron really James. Important. That's really important. <laughs> I think if you start putting these famous athletes' tattoos on generic avatars, we have very different series of cases. But yeah. when, you're, when you're recreating LeBron James as faithfully as you can, don't you have to then create LeBron James as faithfully as you can? Yeah, I 100% agree that if, if, if you could then take these tattoos and, you know, they were costume or, you know, skinned for other players, and it's kind of weird to talk about his skin, <laughs> literal skin, uh, <laughs> but that, that would be a really different thing. And I, I mean, same thing in the WWE Randy Orton case, like WWE wanted to make a, a like, a piece of clothing that you like a, a fake tattoo sleeve that they could sell with Randy Orton's tattoos oh, on yeah, it. And no that, problem. that sounds a lot more like copyright infringement to me. I mean, I'm not going to take a stance mm -hmm. on it. Definitely. But that sounds much more like copyright infringement than I'm going to faithfully recreate you in 3d. Right. Um, Kimberly, I'm really sorry. The lawyers have run amok. We don't want to leave you in the audience out. So, um, <laughs> You know, what is what is what is the audience on Facebook interested in, in hearing about? This? Yeah, we're going to take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look. Well, as I'm pulling up uh, questions that the audience may have, let's talk about fair use, because in the scenarios that have been presented, uh, isn't that wouldn't wouldn't the, the representation of those tattoos on the athletes fall under fair use? 
Let me first give my favorite litigator answer to this because we can talk about fair use in this case um, in, in detail, but fair use, everyone loves to say it's fair use, I'm fine. Fair use is a defense you raise in mm. litigation. So it's the thing you pay me $100,000 to raise for you when you've been sued by someone who's willing to spend $100,000 suing you. So it, it's, it's not a great position to be in. If you're arguing fair use, you're already on the wrong side of the equation. I see. So tell, tell us about the right of publicity. What does that mean? That means something different depending on where you live and more importantly, where you die. <laughs> so rights of publicity are state by state and each state has very different laws. Um, and, and what you can and can't do with someone else's image, uh, voice, uh, et cetera. And generally, states like New York and California tend to have very good rights of publicity laws because there's a lot of film, television, theater, things that famous people are, 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 are involved. But there's really good rights of publicity laws in Tennessee because Elvis and here in Georgia because of Martin Luther King. Um, there, are, there are lots of states that have very, very broad and some that have very, very narrow rights of publicity. So how that affects your ability to use someone else's image in your commercial work is, is going to vary quite a bit depending on where you're doing it. Understood. To put it another way, is the commercial exploitation of personal attributes to a person. Mm -hmm. So think of, um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be an image. It can be a voice. Like, um, gosh, remind me the actor who does Darth Vader's voice. Remind me. James, James Earl, Jones. Earl Jones. So you would know James Earl Jones's voice if you heard it. You know, um, I'm dating myself, but it can be a signature, a sobriquet, um, just basically any personal attribute that you're using to sell your product or service. Because I have spent, a, especially celebrities, they spend a significant amount of money uh, investment into their personal images. And, um, and that's valuable. And you slap that uh, likeness or that name onto a product or service, it will sell. And so there's a value attached to that. And so you have to pay for that. Um, so typically um, publicity rights are uh, what, what are very rarely, rarely, if ever, do they ever attach to like say a, a non-famous person. That's a different area, although it's in the same subset of rights, I would say. Those are more like privacy rights, personal rights. Um, and actually in New York, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, TJ, but aren't publicity rights actually called privacy rights still in New York? Um, but they are, they, they <laughs> are just, long time. <laughs> they, well, they've been reviewing actually their, their code, um, I believe in New York, because it, again, it's state controlled, so it's not congruent, which is frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, like TJ said, it depends where you die because uh, rights are descendable in some states. Um, if you die in a state where your rights are not descendable, then your heirs don't get to benefit from all of the merchandising opportunities after your death. And how, how often is it that people get even more famous after they die, right? So definitely look that up. <laughs> definitely. Before we uh, started the conversation this evening, Lee, you mentioned creating an incentive for artists to bargain for royalties as a possible 
solution, if you will. I would love to hear uh, more about that, your line of thinking uh, with that, and uh, you, TJ, and Scott as well. Well, I, I think we did mention it earlier about bargaining for like a percent, like a point. We call them points in, in my line of work. Um, okay. So can, there's two kinds of compensation up front which you know the artist gets when they when they sell their services usually on an hourly basis. Uh, my my artist is has a sign in his shop that says, "Good tattooing isn't cheap, and cheap tattooing isn't good." And I think he's <laughs> right. Um, but then obviously that's the upfront money. And then hey, like TJ was saying, if they're a celebrity uh, tattoo artist or or an artist with good bargaining power, and then they're tattooing someone who has those publicity rights going to get a lot of good exposure then they might be able to they depending on the situation and the relationship like scott said very important um they might be able to bargain for maybe a percent or two of royalties on any back-end participations that they that they might get out of deals where their uh personality their publicity their persons are in commercially exploited so a game a, would be an uh, um a production that would commercially exploit that person, that publicity. Um, having LeBron James in your game is definitely going to sell it, you know? <laughs> um, so I think that was just a quick example. Um, two other really quick examples, and I will uh, see the floor to Scott and TJ, that artists, you know, this guy who ran Solid Oak Sketches, I'm not sure he had a really thought out his business plan, to be honest, <laughs> because he didn't really do the due diligence which, you know, you got to do your due diligence in this business. You just don't come in um, hot without having done that research. God bless him. But as we say in the South, bless his heart. Um, but, you know, he could have, you know, think about it. He wants to be a rep, an agent, right? There's plenty of agents in, in this entertainment world. Um, but what he wants to do is kind of like a hybrid between merchandising and, um, and, and royalties administration, you know? So you got, um, so think of it that way, if, if you can stay with me for a minute. Sure, he, my artist, for example, he does, he sells mugs, t-shirts, stickers, all kinds of stuff, swag. And that's great for him, but I'm sure it's expensive. And, and maybe if he could hand it off to an agent or third party to do it for him and maybe hit a broader audience, because I know my artist travels the whole nation, maybe that would be something he would want to do. So maybe that's something that these middlemen, you know, might consider otherwise, um, because sure, there might be money in that. They could get a percent of that sale. Um, and then another thought that I had was, um, you know, there are also uh, such a thing in the copyright world anyway as a blanket license. And this is just completely out of left field and it might not even apply, but um, Tattoo parlors, you know, they have a lot of flash art on the walls as you go in and you see it everywhere. Um, a lot of these uh, stock art, stock images are licensed, actually, um, you, like a catalog. You pay a fee, you get the catalog, and then you, you put it into your own voice. Uh, however, or the client just says, I want exactly that. You do what the client wants, you know, and then that's that. But a lot of these clients, they want like, um, you know, Clear, copyright registered like Hello Kitty is probably one of the most famous tattoos um, I have been told believe it or not um, and then you got team names like the Washington well no longer the Washington Redskins right <laughs> but um, 
whatever it might be. And that's a, that's a trait. That's a brand. So or it might be whatever. So I don't know. Um, this is like really not a market, in my opinion. But um, one of the thoughts I had was maybe, you know, you, these art, these tattoo parlors, you know, somebody might decide like, you know, like we have ASCAP, BMI, you know, sending their agents everywhere saying, are you paying for a blanket license going to these restaurants and whatever else? Um, you might have them hitting tattoo parlors one day. You never know. And saying, hey, um, you can get a not not the music world, but um, people like Copyright Clearance Center who you pay like a certain fee for a yearly subscription to all of these published works. It's a thought. It probably won't happen, but that's kind of where my brain went. I would love to hear what Scott and TJ have to say about markets. One of the reasons we're talking about markets, I'm so sorry, audience, is because the fair use opinion considers the effect on the potential market. And that's why it's a concern um, for, for the businesses that are claiming it, because uh, if you're taking away an opportunity for them to make money, and of course the, the argument with MBA 2K was, um, people aren't gonna, you know, we're not taking away the market for getting tattoos by exploiting, you know, the, by, by showing these tattoos in our game, people can still go out and get this work. But um, that's why the market is important. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the entire issue um, is best viewed from the light of just why, why were the tattoos included in the game? And, and it really is to, to generate a realistic portrayal of that person. I mean, we talked about right of publicity and the only reason I think the tattoos were included in this game is to evoke the right, the, the, the publicity, the, the personalities at issue. Not to say, you know, our game was licensed, our game features solid oak tattoos. It's our game features LeBron James. So um, I, I think when you keep that in mind, um, you know, that, that speaks to a lot of the issues both in fair use uh, and in implied license. And, and, and it, I think it also speaks to your market question. Um, you know, it, it's easy to look at the market question and say, yeah, but this could be worth a lot of money. Um, but I think you have to go back and say, but should it? And, and I think the, the tattoo artists that work with celebrities, um, you know, frequently they are well compensated and some, uh, often I hope that is in the form of dollars, but you can't <laughs> deny that um, when you're a business, the marketing exposure from having your artwork featured on one of the most famous people in the world is probably pretty valuable. So they, they, there certainly is, um, you know, a, a reward to the tattoo artist. Um, and, and ultimately, I think that if, if there is an, an expectation of, of, you know, that, that you're going to be rewarded when your tattoo artwork is featured somewhere, um, I, I think that needs to be, you know, an express discussion between the, the artist and the, and the, the tattoo subject, uh, because it, it does feel a little bit unusual it does feel a little bit out of the ordinary and and so i don't deny that certainly if somebody wants to ask for this they can negotiate it but i think their negotiation needs to be with the person that they're putting the tattoo on and not with downstream users because i i think that once it's on somebody it becomes part of them and part of who they are in that context because i think you know tj hit on a really cool hypothetical I don't get copyright in your tattoo when you put it on me. I keep my own rights in what I look like, which includes that. 
but I couldn't then go license somebody else to get that same tattoo. Uh, that, I mean, that's my personal opinion, not the opinion of my firm or even a well-reasoned legal opinion. That's just what <laughs> I think. Um, and, and so I don't think that we're hurting the tattoo artist's ability to make money off of their creative expression here. I think they still have all reasonable and, and sort of justified ways to make money off of their creative expression, the same as anybody else. And, and I don't think that we are being unfair to them when we say, after you put your painting on this person, you know, you can't, it, you, you don't have an inherent legal right to restrict it. You can certainly negotiate for that. And I do think that that's exactly right. I mean, you, you certainly should negotiate with the person, but I, I, I agree 100%. I think the, the copyright in the art remains with the artist. And I think that's, what all these artists seem to believe. And, and it's what I believe is correct. I, I think that you put a tattoo on me, I can go around and show that tattoo wherever and however I want. But if you want to put that tattoo on other people, or you want to put that tattoo on a coffee mug or whatever else you want to do, you're the artist and that copyright belongs to you. And you should be able to do that too. Again, speaking 100% is TJ my hill, not, not with the power of law. But, I, I, it's funny you said that, TJ, because I asked my artist if, if how he felt about that, you know, because uh, every artist is different. Jason happens to be more of an auteur, you know, he, he has his own style and flavor. Um, and I said, hey, if, you know, y'all have the coffee table books of every, all your work, you even have your Instagram of all your work. Um, mm -hmm. Do clients page through that and say, hey, I love this. I want this, you know, this thing you did for so-and-so. And I, and, and I was curious because, um, y you know, they're very personal. Some of these clients put a lot of their heart into co-creating and, how, you know, and, and from an artistic perspective, um, you know, from, I think it depends on the artist, but there's a desire to want to individualize for each of these people, for each of these clients. So um, unless it's some stock image that, you know, like what's the stock image ace of spades card you know joker or something like that um you know if, otherwise you know if it's some ornate tiger or something that was uh, deliberately crafted then yeah i think he would um individualize it for that client in any way people are different i mean we right. have different body types skin textures skin colors it's going to look different every time. Um, how, how I, my tattoo took 23 sessions and around 44 hours of work and I worked on it for three years. So I feel like if somebody wants to go through what I went through, more power to them, they're welcome to try, you know, and, and I wouldn't be bothered by it at all. I think that's right though. I think that it, unless you're talking about just pure stock image flash off the wall, I, I think the reality is most tattoo artists wouldn't put the same tattoo on someone else either because it's something that he and I created together. That's very personal to me and it's not going to make any sense to anybody else <clears throat> or just because why do you want to draw the same thing over and over and over again? Right. Painters don't make the same painting 37 times. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a little bit different, but at the same time, if it was, just a super cool tattoo and they wanted to make a t-shirt out of it or make a coffee mug out of it or any other swag, as you said, yeah. I think that that right does belong to the artist. And, and I do want to say one thing that you mentioned earlier, the, the, the solid Oaks 
um, business intention of trying to be a, a middle manager. And I think that was true. But I, I think that unfortunately for him, what he came off as was a, a copyright video game version of a patent troll. Yes, um, he, bought up, he bought up everybody's rights and then tried to profit off of them without doing any actual work himself. And again, not to, not to say that's right or what he was. I, I just, the, the thing we've all had drilled into our heads since law school is bad facts make bad law. But I don't think this is bad law necessarily, but I think that an, an, un, an unsympathetic plaintiff can certainly have a much harsher ruling levied against them than if, and that may be, again, one of the reasons why, in addition to the different district, why the Randy Orton case being brought by the actual tattoo artist who created that work is different than the Solid Oaks case, where, again, the actual tattoo artists testified against him. So... I think this is a good point that you bring up, TJ, because in in all of the cases, the approach was very different, particularly the Solid Oats case, uh, in that this uh, particular person collected the artwork of other tattoo artists, and the WWE approach was different, as well as the uh, Hangover 2 mm -hmm. approach was different. Can we break down the similarities and differences between those cases so that we uh, make it very clear for our viewers the the different ways in which this came about. Well, I think that's that's the main thing. In both the Hangover case and the Randy Orton WWE case, uh, 2K case, um, the, the tattoo artists themselves are the plaintiffs. Whereas in the, the Solid Oaks case uh, for NBA 2K, it was this speculator. The other thing is that I think in all of the cases, all of the tattoo artists have said that they had no problem with actual representations of their tattoo on the person they gave the tattoo to. Um, in the hangover case, again, Mike Tyson can show up on film with my tattoo. Um, Ed Helms can. In the St Solid Oaks case, the tattoo artists in testifying against Solid Oaks said that we 100% believe that these players would show up on TV or other media with these tattoos on them. And in, in this, the Randy Orton case, that's, that's the most recent and, and the most sort of it, disparity with Solid Oaks, the, the tattoo artist still said the same thing. You can take a picture of Randy Orton and I'm not going to have a problem with that. Randy Orton can appear on the WWE TV shows or on the WWE wrestling circuits. And I don't have a problem with that because my tattoos show up there because they're stuck to it. It was the, it's whether a video game avatar creates something different that she's now trying to argue and raise an interesting point. But all the artists seem to have that same opinion, at least in the cases that I've read that once it's on you, it's on you and you can be wherever you want to be. Solid Oaks was different and unique because someone who didn't create that was taking the position that, in fact, you couldn't then use your image. I appreciate that breakdown. And Scott, you said something earlier that really uh, caught my attention, the unusual and out of the ordinary nature of this. This probably should have been a question that I asked <laughs> earlier, but when did this actually become a, a, a trend? 
Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that, and, um, I'll respond to that. I also have a thought on what TJ said, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, it is a relatively recent thing. I mean, uh, Solid Oaks surprisingly has been pending for nearly four years, uh, which is kind of a long time for, for a case of that nature. Um, so it, it's not like this just came out yesterday, or well, it's not like the issue just came up yesterday. Um, but it has not been like a, a, a long felt um, issue. And, you know, people are always dealing with this. Um, as, as we've discussed, I mean, it, it seems pretty well established, at least as an industry norm, if not as a, a law that, you know, you can take you can take photos and videos, whatever you want of a, of a, of a person and, and show them that way. I mean, you know that you can't publish photos of somebody without uh, there's, there's all those issues, but, but you don't know the tattoo artist anything. If you, you know, publish a photo of LeBron James getting ice cream. Um, so certainly a, a, a newer, a newer issue. I mean, it seems to me like we are seeing a lot of really uh, sort of enterprising, clever lawyers come up with with kind of new ways to, to make money. Um, it's hard not to uh, see the parallels here to like the Fortnite dancing cases, um, which are another kind of issue in video games of, you know, well, hey, here's something else that video games are doing that we think we have copyrights in. And um, it doesn't touch as much the, um, you know, the question of whose right is it? Um, the, the Fortnite dancing cases are a bit more about what is the right, um, but, but certainly you see it and you think, huh, uh, that is a pretty interesting question. And, and that's, that's, that's what we see a lot in the industry is that these interesting questions sort of come up, somebody comes up with it, and then they get like five guys to all like bring their own version of that lawsuit. We get a decision like we did in Solid Oaks and it kind of nips the issue in the, in the bud. But then you also get an issue like we, uh, an, uh, an order like we do in the WWE case, and now we've got a controversy. And and so you know I don't think this is going to go away just yet. Um, but 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 certainly um, uh, it is it is a new issue. Um, and and I couldn't tell you why it hasn't been an issue before. It, it it probably has to do with industry norms because as much as right now I feel like. This is the tattoo artist overstepping. This is this is too much. Um, you know, this isn't how it's supposed to work. I mean, I think that's the thinking underlying the reason why in the industry they don't they don't try to stop you from having your picture taken or having your video taken. But but to TJ's point about kind of bad facts, bad law, and and sort of the the actors here um, coming primarily from a patent background. I'm 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 very familiar with patent trolls and that that issue sort of playing in our industry. Um, I would look at the Solid Oaks case. I mean, certainly it's, it's relevant that they licensed these tattoos, uh, that they, they acquired the rights. But we also are looking at kind of a judge's decision and findings of law. Um, and so while it's, it's certainly a factor, um, I, I think it, it still is a legal right, whether or not it was bought or sold. But I do think there are other bad facts at play as well. You know, looking at the Randy Orton case, like I said, they were trying to sell merch. It's not just we're selling a game with somebody really accurate. We're selling, and you can wear this cool creative uh, tattoo. And, and, you know, we're putting it on a shirt and we're doing that. And I mean, in the Hangover case, it's we took the tattoo, the creative copyrightable expression, and we put it on somebody else's face. So, you know, it, it is very fact-specific, as Lee, Lee mentioned at the very beginning of the call. 
Um, so I think you, you have to look at it there and, and just, you know, again, it comes back to what were they trying to do? So to me, when you're trying to recreate a 3d model of somebody and is trying to be as accurate as possible, that sure seems a lot like a video of somebody, particularly when you look at how modern games are made, where we're actually just doing full body scans of somebody and then like layering it on top of a mesh. And, and to your, your point about when did this become an issue? Um, it, certainly we're, we're seeing games be more realistic, more high definition and more accurate than ever. So um, I think that's one of the things. I mean, if, if this case was brought in 2006, uh, the tattoo would be a bunch of pixels and you couldn't tell what it was. So, yeah. I definitely want to add on to that, if I may. Um, Scott brings up such a fantastic point, and this is truly, if we're looking at tenets in, in, in copyright law, it's disruption. Disruption is what causes case law to develop when the code isn't caught up and there's new uses created by technology. And as these video games become more advanced, more high definition, like Scott said, and and so that little factor. And then on the other side here, we have the in real life factor being that, um, you know, I was reading an article that, um, and I can't remember the player's name at the moment, but tattooed athletes in the NBA anyway, used to not really be a thing. They had a clean cut image. They would airbrush tattoos off of players uh, when they were photographed. Can, can you imagine that even now? It seems like in the 21st century, and this is something TJ and I referred to in our article we wrote, is that uh, the Pew Research Center, um, obviously a well-known research center, um, tattoos are just becoming so much more prevalent in mainstream society, so much more accepted. And so athletes as well um, are symbolic of that acceptance. And so they have truly become, uh, this truly become a form of creative expression for these athletes in many, many ways. Um, everything from colored hair to tattoos to jewelry. Um, so I think you're gonna see a lot more of that distinction, individualization, especially in American society. I mean, think about our culture is all about the rugged individualist, right? We have to have our own brands. And so, um, and that's again, that's another reason this is branding. These um, athletes are branding themselves. I mean, you can see dolls with, you know, their various characteristics or whatever. Um, so so those, those two factors combine the cultural aspect and the technology aspect, I think is why we're seeing really this gather more traction. Um, but I will say, and I am actually gonna, I, I do have a question. I would love to hear TJ and Scott's thoughts. Um, and I'm gonna mess up the name of the tattoos because in this court opinion in Solid Oaks, the, the judge actually had to name the tattoos or the tattoo artist had named their titles of their drawings. What would ha So let's say Solid Oaks who has licensed uh, the rights uh, to these works. What if they started making mugs with 330 in flames and selling them? Do you think the players would get upset? Because yes, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, right. But what if they don't own the art? You see where I'm going with this? They're right. just as screwed as the tattoo artists are in the game case, I think. That's why. No, 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 no. No, no. But see, they license the right. So let's just say the artist did it. Let's say um, the artist decided to start um, making merch with tattoos on famous people that they've yeah. done and they registered the copyright. What's wrong with that? 
nothing. And I, I think Solid Oaks has every right to do it. I mean, they, they did license that art. I mean, I, I think Scott's right. The, 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 the truth is that, yeah, they could start doing that. Would it, would it make LeBron James angry if all his tattoos started ending up on mugs? Yeah, because he thinks of that as well, his not the brand. one of his daughter. Let's say oh, right. child portrait. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but, but the 303 of the Flames is, is, is a great example because that's pretty bog standard when it comes to a tattoo design. But it's certainly something that I'm sure he thinks of as his personal brand, right? Or part of his personal brand. Right. And absolutely, I think he'd be furious over it, but he'd also have zero right to do anything about it because he didn't get an assignment either. This is the big motivator for Lee, what you were talking about with, um, you know, how can tattoo artists kind of generate this, this market and keeping in mind that it goes both ways is, is the, the sort of answer to the, the disparity of bargaining power. You know, if, 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 if the tattoo artist does need to, to negotiate residuals on public appearances, um, yeah, the, 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 the player might also need to negotiate the limitations on the tattoo artist's ability to use the copyright. I, I think that if this were ever litigated, the, the immediate issue would be the question of, um, you know, work for hire um, and, and, and sort of maybe, maybe a, a co-authorship. I, I'm not really sure. I haven't seen this, this litigated, but That's certainly everything. Part two. Uh, yeah, part two. <laughs> but but well, certainly sure. everything we're saying about personalization of tattoos starts to become even more relevant because there is the question to what extent, you know, the, the player, um, you know, owns some of the creative expression there. But yeah, that's a, that's a whole whole separate issue, part two. Yeah, and I think that's why, I mean, back when we first started talking about this, Lee, that, uh, there, there was, you know, there were, there were sports leagues that were starting to require people to get licenses or assignments when they got tattoos and frankly i think that's not a bad idea again it's a great time for the tattoo artist to say sure i'm happy to assign you those rights but you need to give me a couple of points on some royalties but at, at the end of the day uh you know if lebron james doesn't want his tattoos ending up on somebody else's merchandise on a mug he probably ought to make sure he gets that assignment or he's gonna be out of luck that's that's the thing that i mean certainly no one thinks about these things when they go to the tattoo artist, right? Um, you know, I, I didn't. I, I don't. Um, I, I still don't, even yeah, though I mean, we've done this. Yeah, I mean, these are not issues for normal people. Right. Like, <laughs> really. I mean, this is really just where there's money. And, right. And, it's only a question for LeBron James and, and Randy Orton and, right. and The Rock. But I, I think a still, still a good question and follow-up to that is, to your point, TJ, if – LeBron did receive a tattoo at 16, not knowing that he would be famous. At what point would a tattoo artist then have the right to say, hey, I created this artwork and now it has placement in a video game, so therefore I should recoup funding from that. Can I rephrase that to make it sound more nefarious? <laughs> um, you know, the, the tattoo artist here needs to be saying, I created you. I created part of what makes you famous. And if that's true, then maybe there's some grounds to talk about it. But, and sorry to sound like a broken record, this comes back to me as why is the tattoo being made? And is this, do people love LeBron because of this tattoo? Then maybe there's more of an argument. Uh, but even then, I'd kind of argue it was bought and paid for, but that, that's kind of how. <laughs> I think that's an interesting take, though, because there are a number of people whose 
whose image certainly includes their their tattoos and, and you know to if i want to put jason momoa or the rock in a movie um you know their 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 tattoos are part of the physique that i'm trying to put in that role and so to some extent there is an argument by the tattoo artist that i made you because if you weren't covered in these you know tribal maori tattoos you wouldn't be the presenting the image that you're presenting on screen before we conclude for the evening i don't want to gloss over the fact that everyone on this panel are authors you all are subject matter experts in this topic in that you all have written articles please share the articles that you've written specific to this topic you first scott um, sure, I, I, I can I can go. Uh, so so one of the things that didn't get mentioned in my bio is that I work with some of my partners on a blog called the Patent Arcade. So patentarcade.com. Um, we try to sort of track on on our site sort of interesting IP issues like this that come up in games. So I'd encourage anybody who finds sort of the subject matter of intellectual property in video games to to check us out. I mean, certainly we're a little bit patent and tech heavy. Um, but we pay a lot of attention to to trademark and copyright issues like this as well. Lee, we wrote them together, so I'll just let you go. Oh, I was <laughs> going to let you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, because I frankly don't remember the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, TJ and I, well, this actually started from a panel uh, for the State Bar of Georgia. We did a CLE, our annual CLE requirement. And um, so we did that in June of 2017. 17. And uh, then someone liked it and said, hey, let's do an article. And so um, we wrote an article for the tort trial and insurance practice newsletter, very fancy publication um, for the American Bar Association. And it is called From Counterculture to Copyright tattoos and IP law and it really goes into detail on the history of the case law that or the trial I should say trial documents because nothing really ever issued a decision um, that kind of built you know kind of precursor to what we're seeing now um, so I hope I don't want to say I hope there's more litigation but if there you know I, I'm, I'm a transactional attorney I'm not a litigator um, I have so much respect for TJ and what you do day-to-day uh, -day litigation. Um, but I got to say, I, I really hope there is more because this is one line of cases I am fascinated with. And I think it's because I love copyright law, you know, ultimately. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I hope there's a whole lot more litigation on this because one of the things I'd love to see is the trademark analysis of this. I mean, I, I love copyrights, but I spend more time doing trademarks, frankly. And I think there's the next wave of this is when um you know mike tyson wants to trademark his tattoo or, or did uh other people will trademark their 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 own images do you own that do you have the rights i think that's going to be an interesting series of arguments to come down the pike you know that is damn that is too good of a point because obviously let's talk well real quick symbols symbols are trademarks like look mm -hmm. at the nike swoosh so could I could I actually disembody my tattoo and create and since if I wore that tattoo long enough, people see my tattoo and think, oh, that's that's Lee or whatever, you know, Mike right. Tyson or whatever. Well, I think Mike Tyson's a perfect example, right? I mean, we put that on Ed Helms and no one thought, oh, Ed Helms got a weird tribal tattoo. 
everybody said, oh, Ed Helms got Mike Tyson's tattoo. That's Mike Tyson's tattoo. That's absolutely his trademark element as, as, as and Nike's swoosh. Interesting. Absolutely. The same can be said for The Rock in the example mm-hmm. that you used. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, TJ, you, and I know we're, we're at the 8 o'clock mark. We're having a great conversation, thoroughly enjoying this. But I have to ask, because TJ, you, you started it. You gave a prediction about where this could go, uh, you know, o- over time. I'd love to hear from you, Scott, and from you, Lee, as to where you think over time this could take us. Yeah, uh, so it, it's, I, I don't wanna take a strong stance on exactly how the court will rule. Um, I, I liked I liked the reasoning in, I, I liked the finding in the Solid Oak case. I mean, we, we were a little bit critical of, of some of the way the de minimis use was, was put, but I, I do think that ultimately TV and games, you know, video and, and video games um, are very similar. And, and if you were trying to create a rock-like character and you used his tattoos to kind of help sell that story, but he's not really the rock, he's just a really cool guy who's like the rock, you know, that seems closer to copyright infringement. But when your entire goal is, I want this to look like you are watching it on TV, um, I, I don't really see the difference between a, a video game and a, and a television broadcast. So I, I, I like to think that the game makers have the better of this issue. Um, I, I, I think the facts support that. Um, I, I'm sympathetic for the, the artists here and, and their you know, recognition that, and their search for recognition. But yeah, I, I think that if, if you do think that your tattoo art uh, it, your, your, your creativity and your tattoo entitles you to a share of somebody else's, you know, licensing dollars down the, down the line that you should negotiate that. And I, I would follow up with basically the same. I mean, first of all, just real quick, they, you know, the Solid Oaks case really didn't, um, one of the things that they mentioned without getting into too much detail is that these artists uh, really didn't, you know, it was just a factual, factual information. It wasn't necessarily enough creativity to to really you know this is one of the factors in fair use that it really wasn't enough it was too much stock art it was just flames it was just like a rose and whatever a bible and a dove it wasn't enough um authentic expression for it to really qualify and i think that's unfair to the artist i do think that um also consider the client i mean these are relationships that hopefully you have um considered you know and in contrast to tj's point about people who get uh, meaningless or uh inadvertent tattoos but these athletes who are on camera uh, often are are probably have to who are very body conscious probably have to genuinely consider every single tattoo that they get who knows maybe they even have to clear it with their team and their and their association i don't know what their contracts look like actually so maybe that's an issue so um i think i think these conversations do need to happen and i think artists should educate themselves about um applied arts um that they can get copyright registrations in applied arts so applied arts is a form of visual arts and it's it means it's literally the application of an ornamental aspect onto 
a, a, a utilitarian object, basically. So like designs on draperies or whatever, if they can stand alone. So, you know, you get a drawing, these artists, they have drawings, they have to do transparencies, they got to do sketches, whatever it might be. They have books, sketchbooks. So, you know, consider filing a copyright in your artwork. If that's important to you, build a portfolio, do that. And, but don't just do it, have a conversation with this, with the art and, and don't, and, and use that opportunity. If you build up a reputation and all that goodwill that comes with it, and you are good enough to attract those celebrity clients, that is a, that is a moment for you. That is a moment for you to have these conversations, to, to use that, you know, use that leverage and get a registration in your artwork and then have those conversations, like Scott said, about going both ways. Say, hey, you know, I would love to earn points on the back end because I know you're going to be everywhere and, you know, this is, you know, a collaboration and and this is going to be part of you forever and um, this would be great for me and in return if I merchandise make mugs <laughs> t-shirts whatever although who knows if that would even happen um, but you know they got to have a conversation it's about the relationship and you want these clients and these tattoo artists to be happy people everybody wants to make money and um, unfortunately like our law professor TJ and I went to the same law school says where there's a hit there's a writ and so, you know, there's a if there's a hot selling game, somebody's going to file a lawsuit. So why not preempt all that? Take the middleman out. Don't let somebody come in and say he's going to do one thing, do another, ruin your relationship with your client, which I'm sure is what happened with NBA 2K and just, you know, have a conversation. Great advice. Great advice. And I want to take the time to thank you all again for coming on this evening. If there is anyone who is uh, viewing this evening who would like to get in touch with either of you individually, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, social media, your website, share with us. Uh, yeah, w website, if you Google with Banner Wickoff, you'll, you'll, you'll find me. <laughs> um, but e email, email is, is the best way to reach me through, through the website. Uh, social media is good. Um... And uh, the website, my website also, M-O-R-I-N-E-N-T-Law, morinentlaw.com. Wonderful. I am terrible at social media, so please don't try to contact me through there. I rarely ever <laughs> check it. But uh, uh, you can certainly Google me. Uh, I, I have a website, atlbusinesslawyers.com and also owengleaton.com. Uh, but you can, you can Google me and find all of my contact information and, and, and reach me in a myriad of ways. Wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank you all, Scott, TJ, and Lee, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us this evening to have this robust conversation. If at any point there are there's new information, uh, anything developing that you'd like to share with us, please feel free to reach out and, and come back on and let's have another discussion, a part two, if you will. So I want to thank you again for your time and for our viewers. Thank you for spending this hour with us. Please visit us on our website at bluereputation.today. And again, you all have a wonderful evening. And this has been V stands for Victory in Video Games. You all have a great evening. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Good night. All right. Good night. Thank you.